Welcome to the CCTA Wake Up Call Show. Uh, my name is Bob Griswold. I want to welcome you. Uh, first thing I do want to say, uh, folks, get out to the cctaxpayers.com website, and uh, we do have a, a 2024 primary election um, tab. Tab, okay, and it's a, it's a, a number of the candidates in this primary have uh, exp- answered eight questions that we gave to each of them, and your chance to go and see how the candidates are doing. I'm Bob Griswold. Mary Griswold. Jay Singleton. <laughs> Alan Harrop. Well, again, thank you, and thank you, Dr. Singleton, for for coming with us. I'm, I'm really glad that you could make the time to be with us. And, thank uh, you. And... Uh, so the, one of the reasons that we uh, we asked Dr. Singleton to to come was because we have a um, I ran across a, another article or a recent article a re- refresh of the article or a recent article. Uh, Dr. Singleton, you have a case going before the Supreme Court, and I'm going to ask you to explain uh, the state Supreme Court. Ask you to ex- explain that if you please. Sure, sure. We. Uh well, we we initially brought this case up during COVID, and it is just to that I uh, versus the state of North Carolina um, am saying that the certificate of need law in North Carolina is uh, is unconstitutional. So we we took this. We first had to go to the appellate courts, or, or soon after that, to see if they would actually take our case, and we were voted down. Uh, we were voted down for the strangest of reasons. We, they, the hospital lawyers, my lawyers came. They talked um, the entire time. Both uh, the the hospital lawyers and the judge admitting that the entire law uh, created monopolies um, was um, uh, basically there to keep the hospitals uh, without competition. But their entire case was this. Um, there were two 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 big things. They said the hospital system said. And you have to listen close to this because I had to read it several times in a disbelief. Uh, they said that any economic law in the past um, should stay forever as long as it was debated at the time it was put into law. Now, I want you to think about all of the laws you know, and they were all debated. And the, the fact that even the ones you don't like by this standard will stay forever. Um, only because they were debated. The, the topics of the debate, the facts of the debate did not matter to this court. Um, the entire case went in this direction, and they decided that since, per some previous laws, not all of them, that since this law was in 1978, by the way, which I was telling them is longer ago than I'd like to admit at my age, too, uh, was, it was 50 years ago when the medical system was basically in its infancy and so different than it is today. Um, and by the way, at that era in time, there were still super bills where you just wrote down the charge and sent it in and they sent you the money. Uh, there were very few insurance companies. And they weren't, the, the word MRI had never even been invented yet. Um, but anyway, during this time, this, since the case was debated, since the law was debated before it was enacted, per North Carolina law, it can stay forever. And the entire case was about that. Um, and they, they ruled that, per that law, that, that, that the case stands. The second thing they said was that I didn't exhaust all administrative duties. In other words, I didn't try to get a certificate of need before I went to, went to see them. So you needed to drain your bank account first, first. before you before <laughs> Which, you see. by the way, I did go to a special needs meeting. And I went up there, and, sh- and we hired a lawyer and hired a specialist. And we, we said... Look, the, we need a special determination of need, or at the very least, we need to tell you that your system's broken. And we told them all the reasons their system was broken. And after we told them that, of course, they said no. So, but they said I need to exhaust everything. But per what you said, Ms. Grissom, the, um, they, my attorneys rebutted uh, yesterday, I think, that I did not have to exhaust all my administrative uh, duties with their certificate of need law um, and spend thousands and thousands of dollars um, up against the system that was stacked against me just to bring the case that the, the law was unconstitutional. You don't have to immerse yourself in uh, conforming to a law just to bring up the case that it's unconstitutional. You could think of several different reasons why that's the case. I mean, I don't have to, I don't have to wade and slog through this law 
to bring up the fact that it's unconstitutional. And that is the only reason we are going to the Supreme Court. We're not going there to try to shoot this law down. We are, we are, we are there to, for the Supreme Court to decide, is this law unconstitutional on the facts, not if it was once debated in 1978. You know, and, the, and the, the facts being that it does not allow the free enterprise that our state yeah. supposedly allows. I've never been to a discussion where both sides didn't openly agree to that. I mean, I, I've never. And, you know, as a physician, you know, when everybody agrees, agrees on a diagnosis or a treatment, we try to help you. You know, this is not the situation. You know, and like I said earlier, the, the Carolina East, the, the large hospital systems, many of those folks can call themselves conservative and free market advocates and somehow speak one talk to the legislature and go home and say the other thing at board meetings, at church, to their children. They live a double life, you know, and it, it's, it's just time this law stops. I mean, I think a good first step is to show that it's unconstitutional. Um, you know, we, we, we talked earlier, my lawyer and I talked about the fact that this, especially this show is about the constitution. I think every time we talk about it a lot (laughs) and you, you, you have separation of powers in this case, you have legislative and judicial branches. And basically the judicial branch, was continuously worried about overstepping when it's their exact job to check the legislative branch when the legislative branch oversteps its boundaries. The judicial branch is supposed to sit in. It's not supposed to wring its hands and wonder if it's okay. By law, they're supposed to do that. You know, that's, that's one of the reasons they're there. So to lament about actually doing your job just just blows my mind, you know. Um, Jay, I want to, you, you brought up a very interesting point about the fact that because the law was debated, we can't debate it again. And or I would even change it. Yeah. I just want to point out that some of the laws on our books that have been debated are comical. There is a law in the state of Rhode Island that if you drive at night, you have to have someone running 20 feet ahead of you carrying a lantern. You want to try that now? <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what, I mean, that law technically is still on the books. It's true. I mean, you know. Yeah, I hate to bring up the obvious, but I, they, I'm sure they talked about slavery for quite a while. You know, and so, you know, this is just something that makes no sense. You, every law has to be debated before it's stricken down, put into effect. And to go back and say that the very reason that it was stricken down or put into effect is the very reason that, in this case, it has to stay, is just like, a, you know, a dog chasing his tail. It doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. No. Are, are these uh, laws, these certificate of need laws, are they, uh, uh, do they occur in all states or are there some states that do not have certificate have of them. need requirements? I'm just curious, is, is North Carolina unusual in this respect? Or? We, we are, we're very unusual, and not because of that, but because in, in, the, in the mid to late 70s, uh, all states except for Louisiana adopted some form of certificate of needs to kind of monitor their their health system in some ways. Um, You know, by the mid-80s, all states had either modified or stopped their COAs, or many states, many states. Um, And we we kept ours. We kept ours almost in the exact same print that it was in the 70s. We are one of, in in mainland USA, we are um, one of the, the three most restrictive states in the union for um, certificate of need determination. I'm wondering what the original uh, justification was for certificate of need. Because if you extended this government control, which is, you know, it to me like Marxism, socialism, where the government's controlling it, you could conceivably go to someone who wants, who's operating an automotive repair shop. And you could say, well, that person now wants to begin repairing transmissions in, in addition to the other work they're doing. 
if you follow this logic, then you could conceivably have a requirement that to do that, they'd have to go to the state. Someone would have to authorize that there's a sufficient need or whatever they would justify it for before that individual could make that decision and open, I mean, open up their own or expand their own business. And as you say, that's curtailing free enterprise and your freedom as a you know entrepreneur to do what you think the the community needs. Now, if the community doesn't have sufficient need for that service, then that service uh, will will fail. And so, therefore, the you know the community and the people will make that determination. I agree. I mean, and it doesn't even have to to fail catastrophically. You know, if you have adequate competition, you'll actually end up with the optimal service which I think is important, too. You know, it doesn't have to be so bad that it goes out of business. It could just be not as good as the others, which helps the community. Yeah. You know, one of the other topics that we've talked about, and I'll bring that up, is public education. When public education doesn't have competition, public education does not do its best. It's the, competi- the competition of homeschooling and private schools and, and whatever else is something that's going to push the public education to do better. So here's here's a situation where if the hospital has the the cons the certificates, then there's no incentive to do better, and you have folks that want to do better that are prevented from from doing better. So not, not just that, but folks who know what they're doing. Like there is no administrator at our hospital or any others that knows how to do eye surgery in a surgery center, yet they're in control of whether I do eye surgery in a surgery center. If they had an eye issue, they would drive over the speed limit to my, to my office to, for me to fix them. But when it comes down for me to actually fixing them, well, I can't be trusted with where I do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the other part of this, too, is the certificate of need says that there are are certain number of rooms that are available for surgery. Am I correct? Or that allowed for surgery? Yeah. And the hospital right now has control of those rooms. But not all those rooms are set up to do surgery. That's right. That's right. You know, we, everybody over, overbuilds. And they don't fill up their rooms. They don't even try to. You know, it's, just, it's, it's well known throughout the state. I'm not, you know, everybody knows this. That, that is, in, is in the know. Um, so that every time there is a, a kind of the need determination, you know, the hospitals have to submit, if, if they are at capacity as well, they can always say, ah, I hate to say it, but yet again this year, we have two rooms that weren't used. You know, and that doesn't, and that's why that over the years, nothing, no, almost no. Wilmington, uh, a few years, three or four years ago, got a two-room two certificate of need after their, hosp- after their population grew and their hospital promised privately not to uh, go after them. So they, but other than that, it's only been dialysis centers. So. Yeah, I'm still not understanding clearly why the government has a vested interest in this, in this at all. I mean, why does the government care how, how much or, or what types of, uh, of medical care are being provided in a particular community. Why is the government involved with it at all? That's what I, I'm trying to get to the root of how, why this started and why as did they have a the vested enough, interest in it. As well, long as there's enough, I'll tell you I what, don't see a problem. If, if we can keep that on our brains when we come back, I will try to answer that for you. Okay. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and supporters. Again, thank you for staying with us. This is the CCTA Wake Up Call. Transmission and Automotive Repair is the transmission physician in the New Bern area. If you're experiencing transmission problems, call Charles Grover at 252-637-2399 or stop by the shop on 17 South in New Bern. Torque can install a new or reconditioned transmission or they can rebuild your transmission if that's what you prefer. See Torque for a variety of minor automotive repairs like brakes, tune-ups, and water pump. You can count on Torque Transmission and Automotive Repair. The God and Country Christian Alliance has a simple mission, but it is a profound one. They want to inform and educate the public on issues of moral and political concern. 
They want to restore the Judeo-Christian values upon which this nation was founded to all levels of government. And they want to encourage and activate pro-family voters. Simple, but not easy. The God and Country Christian Alliance meets the third Monday of every month at Moore's Barbecue on MLK in Newbern. Meetings begin promptly at 7 p.m. and end by 8.30. To enjoy dinner with the group before the meeting, arrive between 6 and 6.30. Both the food and the company are good. Meetings include speakers and discussion, and their annual banquets are legendary. Join them on the third Monday of each month for a refreshingly candid view of the world and our place in it. CCTA Wake Up Call airs Saturday at 6 a.m., Sundays at 11 a.m. and 8 p.m. on WTKF 107.1. Welcome back, and thank you to listen, for listening to our sponsors and supporters. Um, Alan, you have a question? Yes, I do, Bob, and I appreciate it. And um, Dr. Singleton, maybe you could respond to my concern about why does the government have any vested interest in this issue at all? Uh, how did that get started, or what, why does the government feel like they need to limit this aspect of free enterprise? That's what I'm trying to get at. I don't understand that yet. Well, you know, a, a good friend of mine uh, who, who knows this like the back of his, of his hand told me that, he said, you know, Jay, you're looking at it wrong. It's, it shouldn't be called need. You're not, the, the government's not looking for need. They are looking to decrease hospital harm. Um, they, they should have even written it that way. So the problem is we have propped up the, the economies of many, many counties on their local hospital, um, the, the health care in general. They, you have some, some counties that are 50% employed at their local hospital, especially rural ones. So they've let this happen over the years. They've subsidized the hospitals. They have, they've been given extra money because there's no competition. And now they've become the, the major industry in the counties. The government is looking at this, looking at the, the, these economies, how it affects their citizens, and then they are being scared to death by the American Hospital Association by saying that if the shift in need law comes back, all these hospitals will close. It will come crashing down, and especially in the counties where 50% of the actual workforce works at the hospitals or associated with them. And they get very afraid. And since this law every year, pretty much, or every few years, is judged uh, on a local level, you know, with our representatives and our senators from each county, um, it fails because of these scare tactics. They also say the hospitals will go down because they have all these uninsured folks in the the ERs. Well, we just did uh, Medicaid expansion. There's going to be a lot less uninsured people in the ERs. What's their their next excuse going to be after this? And so it is tugging at the fear strings of of local economies is why it's still there. It's, it shouldn't be there. Everybody knows it's, it's anti-competition, but the scaffolding that they have built is just weaving and so high and so quivering. It, it's ready to, to fall down if anybody grabs the bottom of it and pulls because they've let it happen. Right. And th- after they let it happen, they just like somebody who is a bad better, they are double down, they triple down, they quadruple down on the bet they made a long time ago, which doesn't help anybody. It doesn't solve any problems. So the government, if I understand this correctly, the government is trying to support and maintain, for example, a hospital structure or a hospital in a particular community, and they're trying to make sure that hospital has enough business to stay in business? Is that what they're trying to do? Yeah. So anybody like yourself that comes in and wants to compete and provide a service outside the hospital, is that somehow a threat to that hospital? And the government takes the side of the hospital, is that? Yeah, exactly. It's a perceived threat. You know, uh, many, many states, including Texas, just now large state with many different areas, struck down their CUN law, and the whole system did not fall down. In fact, they had record profits every year for... Since it's since it's been down, yeah. you know it's funny. Uh, you mentioned when the when the law came about, and I would I would suggest probably most of this eye surgery was not even thought of mm-hmm. back at the time when those laws came about. Compare this with, in probably similar time frame, the computer industry as the personal computer came around and the costs were 
prohibitive. To, I happen to have been one of the geeks that bought one of those way, way back. So, so, but the costs were prohibitive to get a home computer or do whatever else. Mm -hmm. And as that industry has gone along, the costs and the efficiencies that where they've found that they can come up with efficiencies, costs have gone way, way down. And here, the certificate of need is preventing the costs from coming down. They're, they're preventing an industry from doing their best. Your, your, particularly your industry. Now I know the whole, the whole con law. And again, whether we're, whether we're just um, aiming at, sorry, I guess at your industry or the whole medical industry, the whole medical industry needs more competition. Oh, easily. I, I could quickly explain what a cataract surgery looked like in 1978. Um, it was a, a if you put a lens in, you were, first of all, considered a maverick. And, you know, everybody gets a lens in their eye now. Um, the, the surgery was at least an hour long. Uh, you had to have cataracts in both eyes and nearly blind in one, and they would just do, they would just do that eye and leave the other. Um, you had to stay in the hospital afterwards, sometimes for days. You had to have sandbags put around your head in the hope that if you moved your head, that, the, that the, it wouldn't fall apart. After surgery, since putting a lens in was considered maverick, you got very large contact lenses or glasses that are about as thick as a piece of plexiglass, and you live the rest of your life. At the time they did that, your chances of dying within five years after cataract surgery in 1978 were 50%. Um, not from the cataract surgery, of course, but it's just because that's how bad off you were before they went after you. Now, we do this much quicker, much more, just beautiful surgeries in five to ten minutes get people seeing the next day or in most occasions. Um, we don't even get anywhere near a hospital, you know, but we still are under the same rules. So just to give you, a, a, at least in my specialty, how actually long ago 1978 was in medic, medicine and science would blow your mind. And again, the efficiency now and the, the equipment, the efficiency now, the hospital does not have the equipment that you, that you would need to do it. I'm going to say they don't own the equipment themselves that no, you would need. They, they own the basic amount of equipment that it takes to do cataract surgery. Um, the, uh, most of the, the new or innovative equipment that, that it requires to diagnose, get you ready for cataract surgery and do the surgery, I have in my own office. I've been doing surgery in my office on Blue Cross Blue Shield patients, which are 15% of my patients, for the past six years with no problems. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, I'm gonna, just, just to be semi-ridiculous, I'm going to ask, uh, are you required to have a fire warden and an anesthesiologist and a blood, um, blood monitor nearby when you do the stuff in the hospital? No. Because those are the basic hospital requirements. No, you don't. I mean, in fact... Currently, I have no anesthesiologist at the hospital, at the hospital and surgery center, um, and I don't need them. You know, I mean, you, in fact, you do need a little more lucid patient when you're doing cataract surgery nowadays. It's nice that they can look at the light. If their eyes aren't rolled back in the back of their head, if, if you can let them go home before some adverse event occurs, you know, it's, it's really nice the way we do it now. And we all do it this way, all of us modern surgeons, because it works, you know, not because we all got together and decided, hey, let's do this. You know, it works. Um, and yeah, none of that stuff's necessary. That's that's just doesn't isn't doesn't happen. It's it's both better for the for the uh, for the doctor and for the patient easily, and and for the financial community. Oh, definitely. I mean, you know, our reimbursements go down all the time. So you know, I don't do this for the money. I do this because I love doing eye surgery. You know, I mean, you could. By the way, you can only do so many eye surgeries. You know, it's not like I'm going to go out there and somehow figure out how to do them you know, eight times as many. It's just not going to happen. One person can only do so much, and I'm doing about as much as I can do. Um, I just, this is, I don't, you guys probably felt this with, this is my life. You know, I said I wanted to be a doctor, some of my first words, you know, and this is what, this is my life, you know, this is all I do. Well, you find something that you like, or that you love, and you do that. Right. And yeah. this is the only thing I've proven myself that I'm actually able to do so far <laughs> since I was born, but that's what I do. So what is the next step in this case? Where does it go? How does it go? And what do you see as the prospects for it? Well, we go to the Supreme Court. And, you know, I would love to tell you what date that is, but they can postpone you. Uh, they can do whatever they want. Basically, they tell you to show up and everybody shows up. Um, you know, I think our prospects are pretty good because 
we the appellate courts were, were hooked on this you know had I had I tried to get a seal in and had this ever been debated before and when you answer those two things they just you know they just check their boxes and we were done you know but um, the Supreme Court is a bit different in this we, we are we have a very good case about the um, the unconstitutionality of this law, and we're going to bring it in and see what they say. I mean, it's it, we are bringing facts, which I know this sounds weird to the audience, but we have not been allowed to do that thus far. I mean, think about that. You know, just think about it. you have all these facts, and you everybody knows them. The other side knows them. You, they're written down. You're looking at them. You, you, your lawyer can't wait to get there and tell everybody. And they say, "Oh, I'm sorry, that doesn't matter." You know, and then you just sit there, and every, the, the air leaves the room. But the Supreme Court has promised us a good, good go with this, and they're going to give us a shot. Now, are you? Is the goal here to totally get rid of the con law, or to only get rid of the con law for certain things? Well, I mean, my goal, my current goal, is to just to show this unconstitutional. Um, okay. I'll, I'll leave that up to the lawmakers. I'll leave that up to the state. You know, there are um, things that they know that I don't know. I mean, I guess uh, about this, and so we will see what they say. But um, you know, our, our goal is just to show it's unconstitutional. Um, I don't know where that's going to lead. I hope that leads in us uh, refor- reforming and revising the law for all counties in the state and just getting rid of the law in total. I did look up. There are 35 states in the United States that still have con laws. In some respect. In some respect. Some are just psychiatric facilities. Some are nursing home, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that that brings up the question, Mary, if there are, let's say, 15 states who do not have these certificate of need laws. uh, I wonder why they don't have them. What, What was the, it would be interesting to research it and find out why they dropped if they had them before why they did away with them was it because it was found unconstitutional in their state or was there some other motivation well when we come back i have a comment on that okay folks we're going to take another quick break to hear from our sponsors and supporters this is the ccta wake-up call show thank you Professional Auto Service, keeping vehicles in top form and running well isn't just their business, it's the passion of folks who work there. If bale and wire and duct tape is good enough, don't go near them. But if you take pride in your vehicle and reliability is important, go to 2215 Country Club Road in Newbern and let Professional Auto take care of your vehicle. You'll be pleased. That's Professional Auto Service, Country Club Road, Newbern. Moore's Old Time Barbecue is slow cooked and smoked over hickory in the tradition of the Moore's family for over 70 years. Moore's also serves fried chicken, cooked to order seafood, and homemade side dishes. Open seven days a week in Newburn, Winterville, Moorhead City, Swansburg, and Jacksonville. Moore's will cater and deliver anywhere you want your truly traditional barbecue and fixings delivered. And remember, if it's not Moore's, it's less. County Compass is a rapidly growing, free, weekly newspaper throughout eastern North Carolina. At the County Compass, we believe small business is the future of our great nation. Many small business owners have discovered that an ad in the County Compass each week is the most effective, the most affordable way to reach thousands of readers from all walks of life. At the County Compass, we focus entirely on local and regional news coverage of important issues that directly affect your life. At the County Compass, we love our readers and we love our advertisers. This Thursday and every Thursday at more than 750 distribution points throughout eastern North Carolina, pick up your free copy of the County Compass newspaper. Since 1952, the North Carolina Fisheries Association has been working to ensure access for fishermen and consumers to enjoy fresh local seafood. The North Carolina Fisheries Association is for fair, science-based fisheries management for commercial and recreational fishermen. If you agree with this philosophy, become a member. For more information, log on to ncfish.org. 
For fresh North Carolina seafood, there's no better place than B&J Seafood, Highway 70 East in New Bern. Welcome back, and I thank you again for listening to our sponsors and supporters. Mary? Jay, when there are states that have taken their con laws down, what has been the impact on that on the cost of insurance, the cost of medical care, and how have the hospitals in those states done? Well, you know, we were asking that forever, you know, uh, years ago when we were going to the legislators and trying to show them facts to try to change their mind. Um, we, we uh, I think George Mason University outside of uh, D.C., they, they, uh, they partnered with John Locke, and they, they did an exhaustive study of the economics before, after CON. Um, and they showed, and they did states that got rid of it, states that kept it, and it, it showed pervasively, per- persuasively that the, the states that had CON had less access, they had uh, higher, higher cost of insurance, especially for patients, this huge number of, of indices they studied, and they were all negative. And then when states got rid of their CON, or states that didn't have a CON, all scored more positively than all those. And they were handing those around at the General Assembly, you know, and you know, based on whether you already liked them or not, you threw it in the trash or you read it, you know. But it, but it was a, a very well done study, and, and, and it showed all the things that you would think it would show, just like all of this conversation. is everything you think is right or wrong, you're right, you know. So the advantage to getting rid of the con laws for North Carolina would be that the cost, the consumer cost of our medical insurance would probably go down. Yeah, because, for instance, whenever, whenever you, especially if you have private insurance, you know, or just, you know, you're, you're getting up to Medicare, but you're not quite there. Uh, everybody knows that when, when you when you met with your Medicare plans, there's an allowable, and it's usually across the, the, the country a certain amount. But especially with your private insurance, with deductibles, things of that nature, when you go in to have surgery, um, it's the cost of the surgery at that facility. And the cost of the surgery at that facility has to encompass the facility fee, the surgeon's fee. It's very well known that in hospitals, the facility fee is two, three, four times what a private um, surgery center is allowed to charge. And that's where your savings comes from. Most people think a facility fee, which is a facility fee is needed. You need extra money to, to pay all the nurses and all the people that make everybody, probably make everybody feel better than the doctor does. Um, but you, all these people need to be paid. Um, all the things you need to do the case need to be paid for. Um, so there needs to be a facility fee. It just doesn't need to be $10,000 in, in a private orthopedic surgery center and $30,000 at a hospital, which is exactly what it is when you do an, um, an ACL repair from one facility to the other. Wow. And isn't that some of that cost, as you're uh, saying, uh, isn't that due primarily to the fact or partly to the fact that the hospitals are required to take patients mm-hmm. that do not have any insurance. Mm-hmm. For example, you know, we're being flooded with all these illegal aliens. Mm-hmm. Where are they going to go for services? They're going to be going to the emergency room. They're going to be going to the hospital, mm-hmm. which is going to run their costs up. And at the same time, then we as taxpayers have to turn around and, and pay for it. It's true. And so therefore, you know, we're being forced uh, to go to a hospital facility when in reality the service could be provided say, at your facility for much less, more efficiently, and perhaps scheduled, scheduled more expeditiously, too. It could be, but that, that is one of the, what you brought up is actually one of their points, you know, that they have, to, they have to foot the bill for people without insurance. But you have to realize, um, certificate of need doesn't keep hospitals open. They keep them loaded with cash. It's not like, you have to understand levels, you know. Yes, hospitals, especially community hospitals with community boards, are supposed to take care of their community. That community may have folks who don't have insurance in it. They have to. But you know why? We, what we give them to do that is we give them a completely tax-free basis. You can't have that and have my firstborn child on top of that. You know, <laughs> if you're not paying taxes, and we, this is no property tax, no sales tax, no nothing. If you're not paying any of these taxes, and we ask you to please just pitch in with your community afterward, you, you should do that. You shouldn't say, and I need no competition, and I need all of my surgeons to be made like slaves to work at my surgery center so that I can charge two to three times more for every surgery. Yeah. You can't keep asking 
you can't keep asking because it's not fair. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the one thing that I would somewhat equate to it is uh, Donald Trump opened a casino in, uh, in was it Atlantic City in New Jersey? He opened a casino. And then soon after, uh, as the state was really, really living off of his extra cash, the um, Indian communities opened a couple of casinos where they're not taxed and they don't have they don't have a whole bunch of tax overhead and that that the the uh, Donald Trump's casino had well pretty soon Donald went broke because he couldn't compete with them now this is a again that, that's a different situation but I'm looking at another situation here that we hear that the hospitals are full and the answer is no, they're not full. They're just understaffed. So there's certain wings that they can't even open because they can't get enough nurses and, and uh, other facility first persons to, to work in those wings. And because those wings are not open, likewise, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to surmise that that operating rooms you you don't have operating rooms available to you because they can't staff what they have to staff there. Well, you know, staffing is not a, a big problem at our at, at our facility. I mean, everybody everybody is either low on staff or wants it that way because you know you don't want staffed over. You know, no, but COVID COVID did a number on staffing. <laughs> it, it did, it did, to some degree. You know, and it also increased the number of locums. You know, it's also very widely known that if you travel from one county to the other as a nurse, you suddenly become a traveler, and you suddenly get three times what you normally would. But um, you know, our hospitals are pretty full. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, and, and our surgery center is 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 pretty loaded, but it's loaded. <laughs> it there, in other words, there is not. There, there's no, there's, there is a great need. There, the surgery centers are full. If you go there each day, you try to get. If you're a surgeon, try to get a case put on the surgery center. It's very difficult. You no, get no, ex, no extra facility availability. Right. It's, re, it's reported as such, but we just don't see it. I mean, as as a person who's trying to get surgery time, you know, I have surgery time because I've been here for 20 years. You know, and I fill it up. But as for instance, my new partner, who, you know, is a very, very, very good surgeon and a very nice man. Uh, for that and many other factors, you know, just had to decide to part ways because after six months, he still didn't have a stable time or place to do surgery at. Mm. And we checked, by the way, at uh, in four other hospitals within 50 mile radius of Newburn, and there was no room at the inn. Nobody wanted. Nobody had any space. Nobody had any room for us. Wow. What in your mind would be the ideal outcome? from this case and what would a victory look like? You know, I, I think the only victory in, in this case, because we're only really asking one question, is that the certificate need finally just be called unconstitutional. I would like to see a situation in my lifetime, which is very seldom, that an existing law is looked back on and deemed as unconstitutional. You know, I, I admit when I make mistakes, we all do, it's the first, it's the first part of healing, you know, but, um, I just like to see it. I, I'd like to, and, and everything that happens from that, we'll see what, we'll see where that goes. You know, I, I don't, I, I, even the wise don't see all ends, but we'll see what happens. But our first goal and the only, the only response that I want from them is that the certificate of need is unconstitutional. Well, if the certificate of need is unconstitutional, then it needs to go away. Yeah, that, that should be the next step. I, I, I step back from that only because it's not my not my current far-reaching goal in this case, and also because I I, I wonder how it's going to exactly be done, mm. and the devil is in the details. It will it would it would be interesting to see what happens next. Exactly. You know, I I just want to give you give you a little bit of encouragement. I think that you've stuck with this for so long, and we know that this has been an uphill fight all the way. And, yeah. yeah. I appreciate you doing this. Well, Thank it's you. good to see the Carolina Journal highlighting this in an article. I mean, I don't remember what year we were up at. We were up at the State House. The CCTA as a group were up at the State House at one of the Certificate of Need meetings. One of the the little the legislator legislative meeting, committee not the, meetings. Not the big thing, but just a little committee meeting, and we got an earful. It was amazing, and this battle has been going on for a long time. Oh, yeah. 
And it's, it's time for it to be over. It's time to, to admit that this law is costing every person in North Carolina money. Oh, yeah. And it still is because it really wouldn't be uh, going away if it wasn't for Medicaid reform, I hate to say, because the, when the hospitals got that injection of cash, they finally let go a little bit of this. You know, it's, that, that's, that, that's where it happened. Whether, whether a person is for that or against it, that was one of the pieces in the legislation that even let them let go of certificate of knee laws for 125000 or more in your county. They, that had to be written in there. And it was so important to the hospitals that they didn't even consider the certificate of need going away in those larger counties until the first payment was made for Medicaid. So they not only joined it to that, but they wanted proof that that was going to happen before the hospitals would let that go. But it's, I mean, again, the impact on every person's medical insurance payment is significant. And yeah. it will be nice. You know, when was the last time medical expenses went down? Uh, I, I, I can't even imagine that's ever happened, honestly. Yeah. Well, actually, as they, they, they go down because some of the technicalities, uh, some of the technical equipment makes the, uh, the exploratory process a little bit easier, whatever else. But it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's not that it's going down. It's, 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 everything's becoming more efficient and more... Uh, yeah, I, I think uh, the best metric is probably that it's not going up too fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good. Well, folks, we're going to take another quick break to hear from our sponsors and supporters. Again, CCTA Wake Up Call. Thank you for staying with us. transmission and automotive repairs to transmission physician in the Newburn area. If you're experiencing transmission problems, call Charles Grover at 252-637-2399 or stop by the shop on 17 South in Newburn. Torque can install a new or reconditioned transmission or they can rebuild your transmission if that's what you prefer. See Torque for a variety of minor automotive repairs like brakes, tune-ups, and water pump. You can count on Torque Transmission and Automotive Repair. Hey folks, here's a tip. When you think firearms and ammo, think East 70 Palm. They've been on Highway 70 East of Newburn across from the fairgrounds for 31 years. Drew Preston and his staff know firearms. Gun sales have tripled in under a year, and women shooters are the fastest growing part of their business. Their great inventory, over 300 guns in stock, changes daily. And if you want something they don't have, they'll look for it. New and used, rifles, shotguns, and pistols, buy, sell, or trade. And they also have many holsters, scopes, and other gun accessories. Every member of the staff is deeply knowledgeable, and every one of them is an excellent shooter. So don't just come for the inventory. Come for the thoughtful advice. East 70 Palm, your home for firearms, ammo, and answers. Highway 70 East Newburn, across from the fairgrounds. Moore's Old Time Barbecue is slow cooked and smoked over hickory in the tradition of the Moore's family for over 70 years. Moore's also serves fried chicken, cooked to order seafood, and homemade side dishes. Open seven days a week in New Bern, Winterville, Moorhead City, Swansboro, and Jacksonville. Moore's will cater and deliver anywhere you want your truly traditional barbecue and fixings delivered. And remember, if it's not Moore's, it's last. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to the sponsors and supporters. Alan, you have another question. Yes, I was just wondering, uh, Dr. Singleton, whether there were uh, any efforts made uh, with any of our local legislators to support this issue because we historically have had some pretty conservative representatives and senators and in just wonder where they, they yeah. well in our part of the state yeah in reference to the constitutionality of this issue which is pretty clear to me it's unconstitutional because I'm not uh, on the court but anyway it seems pretty clear to me yeah you know we um I haven't done it recently but you know uh, Michael Speciali and Norm Sanderson were both I mean called me immediately and um uh, they've written several laws. They, they even tried, or, or bills that they tried to pass, uh, even ones that said uh, to exempt ophthalmology only. Um, uh, so they, they've done their part. It's just that really only a, uh, only 
a very small amount of um, of the workforce up there decides on CON. It's almost always what they do is they put it in a bill. Um, it goes kind of far. They don't want to vote on it. They put it in the budget so that they can use it as leverage to get their things they want. And Michael and Orr were never even part of that. It's usually Speaker of the House, um, you know, gosh, um, back when I was there, Representative Dollar, um, and um, oh, who was the lawyer from the middle of the state. But, you know, three or four people decided on the fate of CON. So you have all these representatives, and you know, in civics class, you think they're all voting, and they're all, you know, you're you're counting the numbers. No, it's it, not. That's not the way it goes. It's you know, what I, makes it to the floor. Yeah. It, yeah, and you know, so and I didn't understand a lot about politics until my um, my former uh, lobbyist um, Rob LeMay kind of sat me down and explained a lot of things to me. Um, he, he's a he's a wizard, you know, and I started to understand kind of like a child when their parents tell them that this is how life really is. I was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't know that, you know. And so he, he kind of held my hand and brought me, got me through all these things. But yeah, it, it's just a very few, very few uh, have decided this issue for years and years. And it's always been on dollars and cents and the amount of hospital subsidization that they have to do with or without CON. Mm-hmm. And we know that as we look at the, the larger conglomerates for the hospitals that have taken over some of the community hospitals, and and we, we looked at the one, was it Bellhaven, was it yeah. the one that yep. uh, that they took over and then they bulldozed and, and instantly? And so yeah, that's some, no some returned in the ERs for a while to kind of make it look good, you know. And, but, you know, that's where they, they said that the, the certificate of need law goes down, that the small hospitals will go down. Not, and, and it's been here forever, and they've been dropping like, like dominoes, you know. And, yeah, I always tell them that, you know, a small hospital does not need to fear one guy doing cataract surgery in a 3,500 square foot surgery center. They need to fear the bigger hospital that is the county over. That is the predator. You know, and I think that a lot of times people misidentify their, uh, what, who the predators really are, you know, and, we're, and how safe they are. Yeah, I, I, it's just fear tactics. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to close a hospital down with a surgery center. Now, a larger hospital will and has, and will continue to shut down smaller hospitals in their way. And they have a, they have a larger overhead than than the smaller hospitals do. I mean, and generally, I mean, you're you're you're, you're saying the, the smaller hospitals, yeah, sometimes employ a lot of folks in the counties, and and that's a major. Major source of income for the counties. It is, it is. But, you know, they, there are only a certain amount of people, um, although they are heavily employed in the small hospital, the larger hospitals promise everybody that whenever they, that's why they keep them open for a while, that no jobs will be lost. And if you check in every year, there are less and less jobs and there's less and less rooms and then they're gone, you know. You know, uh, they say, you know, how do you, you don't throw, a, when you want to boil a frog, you don't throw them in boiling water. You put them in lukewarm water and slowly turn the heat up. You know, and I think that that's, that's how they do it. And the smaller hospitals, we don't expect the smaller hospitals to be all, um, all services, all hundreds and hundreds of different services that we have developed uh, specialty communities, whether it's uh, for, for ophthalmology or, or whatever else. There's specialized communities, and whether cancer care is another one, I don't expect a smaller hospital to have a... No. a, a, a full-blown uh, cancer center, uh, you need to regionalize that. I expect smaller hospitals to be able to take care of uh, primary care of uh, mm-hmm. emergency situations that are d- distance uh, distance matters in those cases. And here, here um, we're, we're, we're doing something that's much, at least from my perspective, you want to you schedule it convenient for the doctor, convenient for the for the patient, convenient for everybody, and and fully utilize your facility. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I think the and the population of the county kind of decides whether the hospital stays or goes. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a, if it's a quick commute to a larger hospital system and they have better facilities and you have a, a, a relative, friends or family that is having a rough time, you're very likely to go to that larger hospital. You know, and bypass your local hospital. Um, Again, it literally has nothing to do with certificate of need. No, and and by the way, we also see the opening of all of these. I'm going to say primary care facilities around here. Mm-hmm. Now, how how are they exempt from certificate of need? Well, you know, the the certificate of need just doesn't. It, it only regulates 
you know, the surgery you know, surgery that has a facility fee. Mm-hmm. So if you you know open up your office and you charge insurance, you know, your basic visits, it, they're you're not under their under their care. But you know, nursing homes are, um, so, you know, psychological facilities. A lot of many many different facilities are, and you do have to get a certificate. The dialysis centers are, mm. you know, uh, they they get their certificates pretty quickly because there's only two companies, and then they just give them to them each, you know, <laughs> in a row. But uh, that's our state, you know. That's that's how they that's how they do things. So, you know, if you open up a medical practice, you're you're, you're fine because you're just you're you're not doing surgery. But once you are, you you have to have a certificate of need if you want to collect a facility fee. And again, uh, what, what you're just sort of explaining there, it's not based on need, as the as the name implies. It's not based on need. It's, it's based on hospital harm. You know, can you do something without harming your local hospital? And where does that fit into the Constitution? It doesn't. It doesn't. None of this does. From our, from the CCTA perspective, it doesn't fit into the Constitution. Yeah, a rational human perspective. You know, this it just doesn't fit in. And I mean, you could hear this all day, and you just don't understand it because we're not used to seeing things that are so in your face, wrong, being upheld for so long and so fervently. It, it makes you question: Am I right about other aspects of my life? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Well, it seems like the the state government or the state has taken a position. They want to try to maintain a certain medical delivery system or network. And that system or network may, as you've said, said Bob, there's uh, things beginning become, uh, become more complicated that that's the, may not be what we need anymore. And, and we, maybe we don't need all these little hospitals. Or, or maybe we need to re, reconfigure that based on what the demand is and, you know, let the free market determine yeah. what's necessary. Instead of saying, well, if we do this, it's going to harm this other facility, and we have to support that other facility. That's our first priority. And that's where you get into this selecting winners and losers. Yeah. And that's what uh, socialism's all about, big government deciding, who wins and who loses? Yeah. You know this this uh, similar issue was fought with the automotive dealers, with the with the manufacturers dealers, and and what's called the uh, right to repair laws. I mean, how do I have to go back to the uh, original? Yeah. yeah. I, I, how do I? How do we? How do we? How do we defend that constitution? Yeah, that was changed. How do that? we defend yeah. that constitutionally? You can't. You can't. You can't defend it constitutionally. Mm-hmm. There was a, they brought up a case with um, when teeth whitening came out. You know, the dentists wanted to be the only people that sold teeth whitening. And then they had it over the counter and in stores, and they, they've sued and they fought and they fought. You know, and it turns out that you, they don't have a constitutional right to whiten people's teeth. You know, other people can get into the... Can, can get into the market. You know, other people can, you can go to Rite Aid or I mean, to, to CVS and get your teeth whitening and try it at home if you want to, you know? And so, but as, 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 as ubiquitous as that seems now, that was a big deal when it first came out and when it first we started. We have forgotten <clears throat> the concept of freedom and we've put things, we've instituted things like licenses and I'm not talking about driver's licenses, there have to be safety concerns. There have to be cleanliness concerns in certain industries. But I wonder if we've gone a bit overboard with this. If we put so many restrictions on people that doing business becomes a legal challenge rather than the ability to do business. And I point out the fact that during his During his term of office, President Trump, one of the things that he did was he eliminated regulations at a rate of three point something. Three point two to one. To one. And eliminated three for every one that was new. Three point two to one. He during the twenty twenty fiscal year he issued hundred and forty eight deregulatory actions and 45 regulatory actions. And that was part, he had been doing that through his whole administration, and that's what allowed the economy to grow. And 
seems to me you're talking about something very similar within the medical community. Take the chains off and let the medical community sort itself out, let the cost to the consumer go down, and let the quality of care be the same or improve. Yeah, because we're already regulated by the med- our medical boards. You know, mm-hmm. we are we. You know, we have to be sound practitioners. You know, we 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 can't make many mistakes. I mean, you know, that's part of my life, just never making a mistake. That's what I feel. I mean, you you try to make that happen, but you know, we're regulated by them. We uh, even with my surgery center, we have a, an independent regulatory. Um, entity that comes and makes sure that we are up to snuff with everything. We have inspections. We have all of these things that happen that we have to comply with. We don't need an extra source, a, a middleman, telling us what to do when we already know what to do, mm-hmm. you know, or restricting us from doing what we want to do. One of the things that the state, I think, has done that I think is very intelligent, the last time I was in having my hair cut and the inspector came in, I found out that in order to be the person who inspects all the beauty parlors, you have to have been a previous beauty parlor owner. That's brilliant. Because they'll know where the problems are. (laughs) They they know what rocks to to look under. (laughs) And that's, that's a situation where something that should be regulated is regulated well. Yeah. Well, it's just the certificate of need process, too, as we're talking about uh, the larger hospitals uh, that are that their welfare or their benefit comes from these things. And who do they contribute to when you get down to politicians? Where do they go for funds? Where do these PACs get their money from? So, you know, you're stacking the deck right away uh, unless you. this, it's found unconstitutional. Yeah, folks, we're going to quickly change. Change. Uh, thank you again, Doctor, for being on board today, and uh, we're going to quickly change hats. Uh, Mary, quickly introduce the. Um, on February twentieth at seven p.m., the daughters of the American Revolution and the sons of the American Revolution will be helping the CCTA celebrate President's Week. They have a program that they put on for the school children in private schools, and they have not been welcomed in our public schools. So they're going to come do the program that they do for the private schools for us so that the children who go to public schools can get a chance to see that program. It's living history. We're hoping people will come and bring their children. We'll try to get them out of there early. But they will be talking about how people dressed during the Revolutionary War. They'll have costumes for the kids to try on. They'll be talking about the food. They'll be talking about how they lived and how they washed their clothes and what life was like during America in the Revolutionary times. And I'm hoping that people will bring their children because I think, I think one of the best ways to learn history is to hear people talk about how they lived and see how they lived. I mean, one of the highlights of our kids was going to Plymouth Plantation and the Mayflower. Thank you again for for listening to the CCTA Wake Up Call. Please visit cctaxpayers.com and click on the 2024 primary election tab. Thank you again. Since 1952, the North Carolina Fisheries Association has been working to ensure access for fishermen and consumers to enjoy fresh local seafood. The North Carolina Fisheries Association is for fair, science-based fisheries management for commercial and recreational fishermen. If you agree with this philosophy, become a member. For more information, log on to ncfish.org. For fresh North Carolina seafood, there's no better place than B&J Seafood, Highway 70 East in New Bern. At Professional Auto Service, keeping vehicles in top form and running well isn't just their business, it's the passion of folks who work there. If bail and wire and duct tape is good enough, don't go near them. But if you take pride in your vehicle and reliability is important, go to 2215 Country Club Road in Newburn and let Professional Auto take care of your vehicle. You'll be pleased. That's Professional Auto Service, Country Club Road, Newburn. 